0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 326th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast in Nashville, Tennessee, I'm Matt Perkins, and a flea flicker across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City. It's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Cory Burton.
1: What's up, Matt? What's up, Josh? It's uh, it's playoff time here in Tennessee. So uh, excited yeah, about playoff. that playoffs! Yeah, it's playoff time here. We got a big matchup against <laughs> NBA, um, the National and...
2: Basketball Association.
1: Yep, it's taking on everyone. Yep, that's what we do. Is it, this the in-season weekend. tournament? It is. <laughs> It is. If we yeah. plan on winning it too.
0: And you, got, <laughs> they have a special painted field for it. That's right. That's it's bright orange throughout.
1: Yeah, yes. bright orange with black lines.
0: Perfect. Oh, Just what everyone uh, will be able to tell. Uh, it what's definitely won't hurt there.
1: anybody's eyes at all. Definitely not.
0: <laughs> um, someone who is always easy on the eyes um, is our third amigo in the <laughs> second city. Maybe not. Um, a man. Not, not uh, when I had that mustache last week. Oh no, that that was something else. But uh, a man Most whose favorite glorious. horse is Little Sebastian. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Accounting, Josh Cook. I, I don't mind a parts and wreck. Shout out. Favorite
2: horse was huh? Mister Red.
0: Like... <laughs> no, <laughs> Little Sebastian is so much more majestic. <laughs> um. So. Uh. And again, thank you to all of you tuning in. Uh. Part of Mike Farrell Sports. Uh. Uh. Believe Network. Wherever you happen to be consuming the show. Thank you very much for tuning in. Want to remind everyone that we are presented by betonline.ag, where they continue to be your number one source for all of your online sports wagering needs. You name it, they've got it over there at betonline.ag. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, betonline, where the game starts. Uh, We will start here uh, like we do every week in season Uh, Taking a look back at the week before, one big takeaway each. I'm going to start it off. And my big takeaway is that Oklahoma peaked too early. Uh, I think their Super Bowl may have been the Red River game because it has been significantly downhill ever since. Uh, They suffered what they would definitely say is their most embarrassing loss or is is a more embarrassing loss, losing the final uh, edition of Bedlam at least the final <clears throat> for, uh the foreseeable future and what happened again they got sloppy and they're running into some of the same problems that they had last year um, you know offensive wise they're doing fine but they're starting to turn the ball over and they still have a relatively porous defense. Ollie Gordon ran uh, over around and through the Sooners defense and Uh, You know, the takeaways that they were getting earlier in the year haven't been there, um, but the big yardage they were letting up still has. It's not a good recipe for success for the Sooners and Brent Venables. So, you know, I think that it is, uh, you know, the the Sooners are going to fade here, I think, uh, as they continue to have more and more attrition on the defensive side of the ball. The race for the Big 12, though, I'm very interested to talk about and we'll be doing so uh, a little bit later uh, on today's show. But, uh, you know, as it stands, you know, Oklahoma is definitely trending in the wrong direction. So, uh, Coach, what was your one big takeaway from last weekend?
1: Well, my one big takeaway from last weekend is that uh, even in a loss, Missouri is actually a legit team. We left them for dead in in preseason and had – Eli Drinkwitz first to go in the SEC. I don't think that's true anymore. Uh, They have shown me that they can actually be for real. Luther Burden is the real deal. Uh, Connor Schrader is second leading rusher in the SEC. Uh, I can see why Brady Cook has developed into quite a nice quarterback. So I was very, very, I came away from that game very impressed with Missouri because I thought Georgia played a very good game and and it looked like it was a really good game between two highly ranked teams.
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, Mizzou and Eli Drinkwitz have uh, done a lot this year in terms of, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people said that he was probably the coach on the hot seat the most entering the season in the SEC
1: and i know we said i know we had that
0: yeah we we definitely had that and it's just been uh really good to see uh how drink and them boys have you know really turned up the offense there and i'm glad that he is you know i think he's i think we can say he's not going to get fired um this year unless something goes tremendously tremendously awry in the last three weeks of the season but They've got a heck of a recruiting class coming in, like a like an all-timer class from Missouri. And I am interested to see if he really gets a shot to take those kids, develop those kids, and turn, you, you know, re- really start to make something there. Because uh, some of this in-state town Missouri is producing, like, th- th- this year, 2024, is a bumper crop of Missouri prospects. And Drink is keeping them all in-state, which is... A really good sign for that program
1: yeah for sure and and i like i said they've done a good job with with the coaching staff in general i i think they had a really good game plan against georgia took it they really took advantage of what georgia's not great at it's just that for georgia talent took over in, in in the end and that was the difference in that game
0: all right josh what was your one big takeaway from the past weekend
1: well, you
2: mentioned uh, Eli worked himself clearly off the hot seat and I think he did that several weeks ago. Um, I've got two coaches going the opposite way. I got a pair of mics that uh, have left a pretty disgusting taste in my mouth. It's down not there, Dundee this time, yeah, which is I know. surprising. I know down there at ECU we got Mike Houston. This is a, a team that in twenty one, twenty-two went a combined fifteen and ten made two bowl games, won the Birmingham bowl. The other one was a no contest. It was still a COVID issue. Um, so coming off back-to-back bowls, this was a team that we thought could, you know, stay in that kind of middle pack of the American. Uh, and with some new teams in the American, maybe pick up a few extra wins. They're awful. They are one in eight, Oh, and five. They're one win is fcs gardner webb and they have two more road games and then tulsa at home so you got three cracks to avoid over in conference anyone mm. care to guess the last time ecu went over in a conference
0: uh the year the year oh. after sean king graduated <laughs> No, not Sean. I don't know why I said Sean King. Um, too late. No, no I um, would. Here, I'll
2: give, I'll give you ahead. a hint. The conference was the North State Conference, and it included okay. some teams like Elon and Western Carolina. Uh,
0: 1954.
2: You are pretty close, Coach.
1: 1961.
2: You guys were both really close but it was right in between your two guesses 1957. Oh. So Perfect. so Houston is uh is overseeing potentially the worst uh finish since the mid 50s. Uh not ideal to break 70 year old records. And then uh you know me, I'm always scuttle button around on uh on Reddit, <laughs> teams reddits, uh team fan pages and I I, I was doing some digging, preparing for this show, seeing what are the ECU fans are saying? And there is several ECU people saying that Mike Houston assumed he was getting a power conference job and did no recruiting. (laughs) Backed it in because he didn't think he was going to be here. And that's why the team is so bad. And they're like, "Mm, he might've just worked himself out of any job. (laughs) Uh, so, if, if there's any truth to that, what a boneheaded, idiotic decision to do that. Um, and then the other Mike, Mike Loxley, um, Maryland, back to back bowls as well, 15 and 11 over their last two seasons. So, similar situations. They started out 5 and 0 this year. What have they done since? They've dropped four straight games and they're getting more ridiculous each week lost by 20 to Ohio state upset at home by Illinois lost at Northwestern and just got obliterated at home 51-15. They have former Texas A&M coach Kevin Sumlin pretty good. uh, pretty big DUI. <laughs> yeah, that's big true.
1: issue. He's um, he's, uh, he's coaching in the longest yard bowl game. Yeah,
2: well, he's already back with the team. No, no suspension. Yeah. No nothing. Like oh, wow. came back basically a week later. Um, so, you know, this is he can recruit like hell, but man, he is really showing very few signs of improvement on his X's and O's. I this is a team that. You looked at their schedule, and I was like, they'd have to be completely incompetent to not win eight or nine games. Well, they proved me wrong. They are truly incompetent. So uh, two coaches that I'm putting clearly on the hot seat and not be surprised if either or both is unemployed in a few weeks.
0: Well, I mean, gosh, Josh, who could have seen this coming from a man with such a stellar record at New Mexico?
2: I mean he, he was turning around. They got to bowl games. They they were looking better, but they just have completely imploded. Completely
0: imploded this year. Yeah, it's it's
1: bad. Like we, we thought Maryland was gonna be something, and it's not
0: yeah, yeah. We I, thought I they thought... would be the fourth best team in the east, and it's actually <laughs> pretty Rutgers. Literally Rutgers, yeah.
2: Yeah, and I, I thought like... they would be I thought they would be a competitive fourth best. I thought they would mm-hmm. hang around in some of these games. They hung around the Ohio State game, only losing by 20, but debacle against Penn State. Part of it might be that Franklin still cannot stand that program. They screwed him over. They did. Uh, for our listeners that don't remember, uh, Ralph Friedgen basically made Franklin his uh, coach-in-waiting when that was a thing. Remember that that was a thing? Yeah. Coach-in-waiting, and then Maryland uh, fired Ralph Friedgen due to attendance issues, even though they won ten games. And uh <laughs> they were like, well, we have fired the coach, why would we keep the coach in waiting? Sure. And I believe is that when they hired uh Randy Etzel? I
1: believe so. Uh,
0: that 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 tracks.
1: Yeah. That Ooh. tracks. And you know what, you know what, uh you know what rule killed the head coach in waiting? The fact that they if you were head coach in waiting, you couldn't go out on the road recruiting
0: yeah oh yeah that makes a lot of sense
2: uh i'm assuming they still do coach and waiting they just don't announce it (laughs) well yeah
0: i thought you well (laughs) they only announce it when they have to call it off like when brian ferentz has to be called off as because he was the coach and waiting for um, he he was definitely the coach and waiting like his first two years as an offensive coordinator
2: yeah when they they actually scored some points yeah who knows
0: who knows? Um, uh, speaking of uh, unknowns here, a lot of unknowns heading into the last three weeks of the season. Uh, so we are going to get you primed uh, for the primed. You know, for the final you know <laughs> final couple uh, for the final couple weeks of the regular season, getting you uh, set uh, for all of the conference title races. Josh is going to break it down for us, conference by conference, alphabetically, which means starting in the American.
2: Yeah, mark. so this is uh, this is one of my favorite things to do. I, I like to crunch all these numbers. It gives me a chance to really geek out, um, and it'll give all of you a chance to kind of chime in. Uh, one side note when we get to the ACC here in a few minutes, Louisville is playing Virginia. It's the third quarter. Virginia just scored a touchdown to tie it at 14. So uh, I'll keep an eye on that, and we might have to update something in real time. Malik um,
0: Washington made a yeah. ridiculous catch for yeah. the Cavaliers uh, in the second quarter there uh, as they yeah. were uh, marching them all down the field. Yeah, Go ahead. Um, so with that
2: caveat, starting with the American, no divisions for this one, so it's just two best records. Obviously, tiebreakers can come into play as well. We have three teams that are all 5-0 and in conference right now. Every <laughs> record I'm going to give you, right, by the way, is the conference record because that's all that matters right now. So the three 5-0 teams are Tulane, SMU, and San Antonio, UTSA. Uh, Tulane and the Roadrunners, they play each other in the season finale. SMU doesn't face either. Tulane has a uh, struggling Tulsa at lane, Florida Atlantic, and they host those aforementioned Roadrunners. So assuming they win the other two games, they will be at worst 7-1 and even if they drop that UTSA game. SMU has struggling North Texas at four and one Memphis and middling Navy. They should also join Tulane at no worse than seven and one UTSA has that frisky rice team and equally frisky South Florida team. And then that trip to Tulane. So if they take care of business at home, they would also potentially end no worse than seven and one. So, then you have Memphis, who I just mentioned, lurking at 4-1. And they still have a roadie to Charlotte. They host the SMU Ponies. And they head to that huge tilt with uh, um, somebody. I forget who they play. Their finale is against someone who's terrible. Anyway, um, they, they could also join the crew at 7-1. I didn't even bother to write down Memphis's last game. Um, so, uh, oh, Tulsa. I think that's their finale. Anyway. The tiebreakers for the American this year are head-to-head, which really doesn't do us much help because SMU (laughs) plays nobody in this mix, really. Um, So then the next tiebreaker is CFP Rankings, um, which would probably favor Tulane because they're the hot commodity, the proven commodity. And then you have FAU kind of sneaking around at 3-2. and Um, The only other winning record in league play right now are those owls so um honestly i don't see them updating upsetting two lane and they also have to travel to rice which is no picnic so long story short you have basically we're starting the show with a unknown entity we have four teams still in the mix this latest stage i have no idea what to make out of all this and with the silly smu team not playing any of these clubs um outside of that memphis team it's really hard what to make of it so uh, we start the segment with kind of a uh a blah moment but any of the aac stuff uh, jumping out at you
1: it's gonna be a crazy race <laughs> yeah
2: it really will be um but we are starting with the most muddled league so
0: I mean, um, I just want to say good for UTSA in their first year and the conference for still being undefeated in the conference. I mean, like that, you know, yeah. kudos to them. I mean, yes, some people say, oh, it's just another, another group of five conference. How different can it be? Like, no, Americans have been the best group of five conference for a long, if you know, over the past 10 years. And for them to step up yeah. from where they were to where they are now, it's a, it's that's, you know, hat, hats off to them.
2: Yeah, and I mean, the AAC, think about every um, realignment rumor. Well, SMU, we already know, is going to the ACC. Tulane keeps getting thrown in any little bit of rumor and scuttlebutt. People had them going to Pac-12 at one point. So, yeah, I mean, this is still a a pretty strong league. Let's move move to the ACC. So, um, pretty easy. No divisions and one team has already clinched. Florida State is 7 and 0, but they just have one league game left. They just have Miami. Um no oh, a- Yeah, no other team can catch them. Um so, you know, at worst they'll be 7 and 1. Um the the best that can happen would be Louisville tying them. Um so Louisville they are in great shape. They're currently 5 and 1. Again, we're keeping an eye on the Virginia game. Um, so they're in progress right now. They have a game at Miami also left in league. They just have those two remaining games uh for conference games. So a win in either of those two games actually clinches the title game because they have head-to-head victories over everyone just behind them. So if they lose tonight, they can still clinch at Miami, assuming they come back, uh, you know it's a tie game right now, assuming they, Hold on. Like I said, we'll update that once it goes down. Um, but yeah, Louisville's in great shape. So let's say something insane happens with Louisville. They're already in a battle with uh, with Virginia. So the other group that is behind them is this just mess of two lost teams. Um, Georgia Tech is 4-2, and two, but they have the tie-breaking losses to both Louisville and B.C., They need to win out, which is at Clemson and hosting Syracuse, Uh, plus they need Louisville to lose out and then hope nothing strange happens with any of the other two lost clubs behind them. Uh, Duke has at North Carolina, at Virginia, and Pitt left. Their two losses are Florida State and Louisville, so if they win out and Louisville loses out, the Blue Devils will sneak in. North Carolina is essentially in the exact same position as Duke, but just a pinch worse because they lost to Georgia tech. BC has weirdly found a way to win five straight games and has worked themselves in the exact same position as Duke. If the Eagles win out and Louisville loses out, we will be treated to what everyone predicted an FSU BC title game. NC state is in a similar position to Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. NC State similar to North Carolina. They need to win out, have Louisville lose out, and then have Duke also drop a game. And then finally, still technically alive, Virginia Tech. They are an exact repeat of Duke's exact <laughs> scenario. So it, barring something insane, Florida State, Louisville will be what it is, uh, but
0: there are still a few teams with stuff to play for. I want to see if we can get to Florida State, Virginia Tech. <laughs> yeah, that, that would take a few dominoes to That 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 is the highest chaos scenario for me. So,
1: I'm <laughs> love it, loves, there. love us some chaos.
0: Nice. All right, are we ready for uh, for
2: coach's favorite league, the Big Twelve?
1: <laughs> love the Big Twelve.
2: All right, so uh, Texas and the Fighting Gundy's Oklahoma State. They lead the pack at five and one. Uh, Texas's uh, remaining games are a couple road trips, TCU and Iowa State, and then their finale is back at home against Texas Tech. Uh, Even without Ewers, they should be favored to win all three of those games. Um, The Pokes have trips to Central Florida and Houston and then end with a home finale against BYU, and their level of play the last few weeks indicates that they should be favored to win each of those games. you know, probably touchdown plus spreads on that. So, um, what happens if either or both of those two teams stumble? There are an insane amount of teams. Five teams are still lurking at four and two. Uh, so, I'm going to group the first two together because Kansas and Kansas State are in the exact same position. Both have lost to Texas and Oklahoma State. Both need to win out and they would need either of those top dogs to stumble twice. Um, Since they face each other in this scenario, the rivalry game, the Sunflower Showdown, would basically become an elimination game. Um, Oklahoma, who Matt talked about in our opening, they have the head-to-head win over Texas. So if Texas loses just one more and Oklahoma wins out, the Sooners would get that tiebreaker So the Sooners path is still possible. Uh, West Virginia has a loss to Oklahoma State, but does not play Texas this year. So if the Mountaineers win out, Texas drops a game, then some tiebreaker scenarios would come into play. Based on West Virginia's current computer numbers, though, they would need a fair amount of help uh, even if they win out. Iowa State holds a head-to-head tiebreaker over Oklahoma State, and they face Texas later in the season. Uh, But they also lost to Kansas. So, while Iowa State's path is less help dependent than West Virginia, Iowa State needs Kansas to also get tripped up. Otherwise, that won't help the Cyclones. And then, lastly, still kind of alive, they got a faint pulse. They need some CPR. Three and three Texas Tech. They could win out to get to six and three, but then would need an insane amount of help to get one of those two top teams oklahoma state
0: or texas to drop well you mentioned oklahoma state and west virginia here and they have a really interesting matchup this weekend i think with oklahoma coming off of back-to-back losses whereas west virginia is coming off back-to-back wins it's in norman all signs point to oklahoma you know, bouncing back here, but coach, I, th- I think that there is a, a chance that Oklahoma <clears throat> keeps stumbling along after two tough road trips and, you know, yeah. has the potential to, you know, really fall apart here against the West Virginia team that has Garrett green, you know, coming on at all the right time.
1: Yeah. West Virginia's getting hot right now. And, Ah, uh, they could certainly, certainly trip up the Sooners. Sooners are kind of rumbling, bumbling, stumbling, limping into the finish, <laughs> and it's—I don't know, man. This this thing is not going in their favor. I, I think it's—I think the best shot is the the Sunflower Showdown, the winner of that game, because I, I think both those teams are, you know, primed to, uh, you know, make some noise now. Who do you have, who do you have
2: dropping out then?
1: dropping out because um, yeah, Texas and Oklahoma
2: state both have had to add wins over Kansas and Kansas state. So,
1: yeah, I win- mean, if, if it were, if it were possible, I don't know, like it's, it's a long shot, but like, I guess I would probably have Oklahoma state drop out because that's just kind of what they do. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I think this is going to hold though truthfully. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think if you're giving me the best shot, Kansas and Kansas State is probably your best option. Coach <laughs> just has faith in the track. That's the thing. Well, what cool. I was
0: going to say is that I have faith in both Mike Gundy to Gundy it up um, and either lose to the Gus bus or to lose the home finale when all he needs to do is win to lock up a conference title game and <laughs> lose there. So... um Yeah, I don't know. I think that would be that would be interesting, but it it, it really does feel like it's going to be Texas and Oklahoma State at the end of the day. But it is just, you know, I am curious to see what happens with Oklahoma over these last three weeks if they still try, you know, if if they still try full stop. Mm. Like, I don't know if they're going to, uh, you know, really keep pushing really hard with, you know, a, a sort of a second now disappointing season in a row.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, obviously if uh, <laughs> they got to go with the mindset of we need to win out and we're just going to trust that Texas stumbles, especially with the uh, the health of Quinn, you still kind of, we're, we're not exactly sure where it's at right now. So that's what Venables needs to be preaching. You know, we still can win out. We can still make the title game our, our you know, <laughs> Conference title aspirations are still there. Uh, moving on, my league, the Big Ten, as well as Matt's um, coach, doesn't care for Big Ten football. He's not. He hasn't grown to appreciate the beauty of the Big Ten West just yet. We're working on it,
0: though. The majesty um, of the Big Ten West. Yeah.
2: So uh, no surprise here. The East is down to three teams: Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. Um, sorry, Rutgers. I don't see you winning out and then having those other teams all lose three more games to join you. Um, So Penn state has by far the toughest path still of the teams in it. They need to beat Michigan by enough to really drop Michigan's computer numbers. So that way, when Michigan beats Ohio state, Penn state would be the highest ranked team because they're all going to be there at one loss. Um, so, you know, Penn State basically, they need to find a way to, like, <laughs> drop 50 on Michigan and hope that that messes with the computer stuff. Um, Ohio State and Michigan are obviously winner-take-all mode for when they have their annual rivalry game.
0: Any chance, Josh, that Penn State's able to pull off victory at home in Happy Valley this weekend?
2: Well, first of all, like... It's I mean, I'm just, sure
0: they've changed their signs.
2: Yeah, I mean... So first of all, Penn State was really, really done dirty by Big Noon Fox. Because Happy Valley, at its peak, is a primetime whiteout game. They hosted both Michigan and Ohio State this year. And they... host stopped- Big Noon. Yeah, they stuck both the big noon game. So their big whiteout game was Iowa. Stupid. Um, Beaver yeah, why not Stadium... take advantage of that?
1: I hate yeah. that. And I'm yeah. I'm rooting for Penn State. Believe it or not.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, Beaver Stadium will still be loud. It'll, you know, it'll still be nice. And but it's just not the same. Also, I, I should point out, I, I screwed that up. They they play at the shoe i was gonna say that'd be weird that they had both at happy valley but anyway so they kind of get screwed over by the scheduling but my problem with penn state is when you watch them they're really efficient and methodical offensively but that doesn't work against great teams like ohio state and michigan i don't see them generating those big go-to favorite term hashtag chunk plays Chunk plays. Yeah, I I don't see them busting big plays, which you kind of need for the momentum and energy in these huge games. Because you know it's one thing to just slowly march Iowa down the field. It's one thing to slowly march Maryland down the field, but like Michigan's well, you're not, not really going to give that up.
1: No, and and their defense is not going to let you. Like the more plays you have against a defense like that, they're not going to let you march down. I mean, there's going to be a big play by the defense, like you, like against great teams, you have to score in eight plays or less, yeah. or you're not going to score. Yeah.
0: What do you think, Matt? I think that, I don't know. I, I I feel like the combination of home field plus, you know, not having their, their signs, uh, stolen <laughs> plus hoping that they learn their f- from their mistakes against Ohio State when it came to um, the lack of downfield targets might make Penn State please. a viable option here. But I still think that Michigan like is, this is going to be super cliche, but like they're on a mission. Like they are, Michigan. they are hellbent on, you know, you know, Proving the doubters wrong, you know, shutting down the haters. Um, you know.
2: Yeah. It's to... certainly interesting. You look at Harbaugh's record pre Stein sign stealing uh, scandal, post when uh when Connor's Stallions supposedly started to do this, and the record is uh markedly better.
0: So we'll oh, see. We'll, we will see. Ask play quorum.
2: Yeah. And his um, LLC. All right. So let's talk about the Big Ten West. Well,
0: we my to? scrappy
2: little hawks, they did it, they did it again. They were the only Big Ten West contender to win last week. Um, so they are atop the Big Ten West at four and two. Um, so what's also gonna be super annoying to everyone is even with a loss to Rutgers which is possible this week because Rutgers looks pretty dang good. They still control their destiny because their final two games are Nebraska and Illinois. Um, This would mean if they drop that Rutgers, they they would go six and three in the league, but five and one in the division and they'll be set. Why would they be set? What about that loss to Minnesota? The Gophers have a trip to Columbus. So, even if Minnesota wins all their other games, they're not winning at Ohio State. So that no, means not. Minnesota's ceiling is five and four. Therefore, I would get it. Uh, Wisconsin is three and three, but the Badgers have the head to head loss to Iowa. So they need massive help. And then Nebraska's three and three. So if Nebraska wins out, Nebraska is the only team that really controls their own destiny. I know Minnesota technically does, but they ain't beating Ohio State. So Nebraska does control their own destiny. So, if Nebraska wins out, at, they're currently three and three. They win out, that would include knocking off Iowa. So, despite losing week one to the Gophers, Nebraska is actually in the best shape to catch and knock off Iowa. So, um, Hawks and Huskers, let's do it. Matt <laughs> is uh, Matt is shaking his head in
0: disgust. <laughs> I just, it's uh, it's, a, it's the worst football, it's just the worst. It's just the, and, worst uh, the worst
1: football is right down the road, is uh, right there in Josh's backyard. Uh, Josh, <laughs> if you open the door, you can hear all the booze in Soldier Field. This game is <laughs> terrible.
2: You want to hear something sad and depressing? What's that? I went to it, but it gets more sad and depressing. I left at halftime, it was zero zero, so I missed the only exciting stuff. I missed it for a good reason. It was my man Dylan's wedding. It was a fantastic wedding. I loved every minute of his wedding. It's just kind of funny that they couldn't have had anything at all exciting in the first half.
0: That's
2: I believe we call that irony? Is that irony? No,
0: I, I, I know that's called the full Iowa experience. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, but no, it was worth it leaving at halftime. That game was <laughs> but my dad said he's like, even with all the points in the second half, he's like, eh, it still wasn't good. It still wasn't exciting. <laughs> All right, yeah, Matt. Guess what I got you for Christmas? What's that? I got you a double Luke Fickle. It says T E A M on the back,
0: and it says T E A M on the front. Oh, I thought it was gonna say <laughs> M E A T on the front. <laughs>
1: Meat.
2: <laughs> All right. So next up in our uh, alphabetical tour is Conference USA. So Liberty is seven and zero in the league, and they have tiebreakers over. Everyone, they have locked in; they're guaranteed. They've already clinched. Um, So even if they lose their remaining games, Jacksonville State is second at five and one. But barring a change to NCAA policy, they won't be allowed to face Liberty as a transition program. So that leaves New Mexico State at five and one. If the uh, Aggies beat Western Kentucky this week, they are locked in. No one can mathematically catch them. If they lose, though. New Mexico State would then need to win their finale against Jacksonville State and have Western Kentucky lose at Florida International. And then we get to that Western Kentucky team. They're 3-2, and but they're not dead yet. If they win out, they will have the same record as New Mexico State and own the tiebreaker. So it'll be Liberty versus either New Mexico State or Western Kentucky. No thoughts on Conference USA? Other than Jerry Kill
0: yet again. Yeah, liberty's just running through people, man. It's it's yeah. it's not liberty,
1: liberty, liberty, um, liberty, liberty.
2: Um, for our listeners, like I said, live time is happening. Final stages of the third quarter. Virginia scored, they're up 21 14. Gotta keep an eye on that. All right, let's, I got, I got let's the smoke budget. Yeah. Um, uh, so heading over to the Mac. Um, action, yeah.
1: Michigan screwed up so bad that the MAC is going to get disbanded. <laughs> um, so it works, just in case you're wondering. So I, I've taken typically been going
2: east-west, um, but I'm going to switch that for the MAC because the east is completely chaotic right now, and the west is really easy. Toledo's already clinched. Toledo clinched. They started six and zero in the league. Everyone else in that division has at least three league losses. So it'll be Toledo versus somebody uh so from the east miami of ohio sits at five and one and they have tiebreakers over ohio and bowling green so while theoretically they could lose out and that would lead to a cluster of five and three teams uh the red hawks schedule is pretty favorable they have buffalo and ball state left um they basically have a stranglehold on that division um but we do have four and two ohio and four and two bowling green lurking uh, but both need some help. Ohio has to win out to get to six and two. And then due to that head to head loss, they need Miami to drop both their remaining games. Bowling green needs even more help because they lost to the Ohio. <clears throat> so bowling green needs to win out, have Miami lose and have Ohio drop one of their final two games. Um, there is some possibility of crazy mayhem. If they all manage to get to six and two, um, um, but you know, like i said that's off the top that's off the table due to the tiebreakers so even if we got the mayhem situation at six and two it actually isn't a mayhem situation because miami has both those because,
1: because they chose all state
2: <laughs> exactly to but there is mayhem like, like that <laughs> but there is one truly crazy x factor buffalo if the bulls went out to get to five and three and then you have miami ohio and bowling green all stumbling enough to join Buffalo at five and three. Then those tie breakers, which are really easy all at six and two become super complicated because Buffalo would have a loss to Ohio and Bowling Green, but a win over Miami. Miami would have wins over Ohio Bowling Green, but not Buffalo Bowling Green would have a win over Buffalo, but not the other two. And Ohio would have wins over Bowling Green and Buffalo but not Miami. So in this insane scenario, um, the CFP rankings would then come into play. But like I said, this, this would be absolutely bonkers. The the most logical thing is Miami's going to win the division. Wow.
0: <laughs>
1: this Josh, is why I have to
0: for... punch the numbers. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's it's a lot rocking. to take in. In you audio are
1: movie. you are thorough, Josh, and I love it.
0: <laughs> this is what do you want, Josh? do you want to be the the East representative? Um,
2: you know, Ohio does probably have the best team on paper, but they haven't played like it. Miami beat them. Miami also beat Bowling Green. Miami's played the best. Miami's the hottest team in this division. Miami just looked amazing the other night in Maction. I think Miami gives Toledo the best game. So I want Miami.
0: Fair enough. From the MAC football that I've watched, I think Miami is the best one I've seen at least outside of Toledo. Yeah, you know. And so I feel like those are the two best teams that yeah. I've watched. So uh, how about the Mountain West? All right. So most- despite <laughs>
2: despite the chaotic Army loss, which uh, I think we can attribute to uh, turning the ball over roughly 35 times, um, Air Force is 5-0 and in league, and they are still obviously riding high. They have tiebreakers over Wyoming and San Jose State, but they still have to play UNLV, which we'll talk more about That's the rest w- in a moment.
1: Weird. That's weird to say. That. Yeah
2: now and they have a nasty trip to boise so while they control their fate it is a pretty arduous task still in front of air force um and then should give a side note they do not face fresno state this year and speaking of fresno they are four and one so barring wyoming catching them and that tiebreaker coming in because that's their one loss uh, the Bulldogs have a pretty clear path to the title game. Um, their remaining schedule includes New Mexico and San Diego state. And those teams stink. Um, then we get to UNLV. They have an identical four and one mark. Their lone loss was to Fresno. Uh, they finish up with Wyoming at air force and San Jose state. Uh, so any loss in those final three will be a backbreaker for the tiebreakers. Um, UNLV is still going bowling, which is freaking awesome. And, an awesome job by Coach Odom there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: The uh, very freaking Odom, yeah. The uh, the Boise State Broncos never say die, they're still lurking, they're at three and two. Uh, but their loss to Fresno State is huge in tie breaking scenarios. Um, they still face Air Force, so they can kind of help their cause there, but Boise really needs a lot of help. Uh, Wyoming is three and two. Um, they also get Air Force, um, followed by two of the worst teams in the league so the pokes aren't dead just yet they they need a lot of help they're on life support though and then san jose state started out awful they started out zero and two in league but they've ripped off three straight their final league games include both unlv and fresno so they can do a lot of help for their cause um it might not be enough to get them there but they can definitely influence the race if they knock off either of those teams uh when i get to the end and give uh my final picks i'll i'll tell you
0: what i'm thinking for the mountain west but i'm curious what you guys think right now i mean the army loss doesn't really matter for the mountain west purposes so i'm not worried about them and i still like presno um but Wyoming is the drug I can never quit. So, um, I'm gonna say, give is me... Wyoming your
2: new NC State.
0: I wish I could quit you. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, no, it's it's Wyoming, man. Yeah, give me Wyoming. Give me Wyoming running the table, and then uh, Wyoming Air Force with Air Force's one loss in league, being to Wyoming.
1: I think it's I think it's Air Force and, and Fresno I just don't see I just don't see Fresno losing I, They're a really strong team uh, San Diego state San Diego State San Jose State <laughs> that's also weird to say um, they're gonna give them some run San Diego State is gonna maybe give Fresno some run later on in, in, in the season but um I, I don't know it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting down the stretch but I, I think Fresno State holds it off all right.
2: Um, well, let's get to the Pac-12, and it just would not be a Pac-12 league, title
0: race. The league that keeps on giving yeah. in its final year of giving.
2: Yeah, a lot of, a lot of mayhem. So we'll start with the easiest path. That's obviously Washington. They remain unblemished. They are 5-0 and in conference. They've already beaten Oregon, USC, and Arizona. Um, barring a calamity where they drop multiple of their final three games, which are Utah at Oregon State and now Washington State, this team should be in a title game. I I could see them getting upset by one of those teams, but I don't think they drop two or even all three. Um, So Washington feels pretty safe. Um, Five and one Oregon also controls their fate, uh, thanks to knocking off Utah, and they still have – USC and Oregon State ahead of them. Um, having said that, dropping either or both of those games opens up a real can of worms. Uh, so let's talk about that can of worms. The Trojans, still alive, just dumped out Grinch, so maybe they'll bit, get better on defense. Um, USC needs to win out, which would include knocking off the Ducks, and then they need to hope Utah doesn't catch them at 6-2 and two, because obviously USC always loses to Utah. They can't beat them. Um, Arizona, just like we all predicted, predicted, still in the title race. Arizona needs to win out, and then get a whole lot of help. Yeah, that Arizona wow. team,
0: that Arizona team is good. Yeah, I watched. I stayed up and watched them last weekend. Yeah. Part, yeah. Part, I, part I, I watched them a o- lot
1: against USC. They're, they I mean, they're legit, dude. They're moving the ball.
2: Yeah, and uh, so the reason Arizona needs to have a lot of help is what Coach just mentioned. They lost to USC. Jeez. And they don't do themselves any favors by not playing Oregon this year, so they can't mess up that Oregon thing. Uh, my pick at the start of the year: Oregon State. They're still around, but they need they need a few things to go their way. They got to win out first of all, um, and then that would give them massive computer boosting wins over because you know they would beat Washington and Oregon if they win out. But if they do that, they'd still only be six and two. So their best case scenario is a repeat of last year, which is have a huge traffic jam at six and two. But thanks to all the computer stuff and all that, they get in. That's what Utah did last year. Their other scenario, way less likely, is they get to six and two and then have the other teams drop multiple games that we're not really expecting to have happen. And then finally, another zombie team. We can't ever get this team out. Utah, they are still technically around, but that head-to-head loss to Oregon puts them in a real pickle. Um, they would need to win out, which includes giving Washington its first loss, and then find some other help. Maybe maybe the computer numbers work in their favor. Maybe Oregon gets upset in some way. But but yeah, Utah's around, but but clearly doesn't control their own destiny. Matt, I know you have a lot to say because you love the Pac-12
0: this year. I do love the Pac-12 <laughs> this year. Um, you you mentioned that USC needs to win out. They've got a big game this weekend with Oregon. Yeah, big for both. Oh. It's, it's really big for both. And... <laughs> There's a weird part of me that feels like for some reason, like USC is going to win and (laughs) I can't really explain it. But there's something like deep inside my gut that like feels that USC is going to beat Oregon. Addition by subtraction. I don't know. I, you got me, but there's something there to it. Oregon always uh, seems to trip up and lose this game. And so, I don't know, I mean, like, but at the same time, Oregon is such a well-oiled machine at at this point. So do you think, Josh, that USC can beat Oregon this weekend? I mean, stealing what Hugh Free said about their Georgia game, they have nothing to
2: lose, right? They're out of the polls. They're struggling with those two conference losses already. They don't control their fate. CFP, forget about it. Even if they win out, yep. probably too yeah. far back by this point. Caleb probably lost the Heisman, so he can write off that. They yep. dumped Grinch. The defense will be very different. Uh, don't know if it'll be better, but hard to get worse. But the coaching will at least be different. So you, you know, there is there is something to that. Um, they have nothing to lose. Why not? You know, empty empty the playbook. You've Been holding on to that uh, triple reverse option pass to Caleb Williams down the sideline for for the whole season so far, why not call it this game? So there could be something like that. Um, I'm going to be more of a realist, and I'm going to assume that the defense still will not look particularly good, and Bo Nix will have fun and uh, put up some points.
0: Coach, any chance that Utah gives Washington their first loss of the season? No, <laughs> no. They don't call him the best color man in the business for nothing.
1: Nope, no, no, no. You'll see, you'll see why I'm so uh, so brief with that. <laughs> well,
0: Josh, then uh, mm-hmm. t- take us down to uh, where coach coaches, yeah, huh? coaches conference.
2: All right. Well, the SEC East is pretty easy.
1: That's what that's what they're working on at USC. Yep.
2: <laughs> Trick play. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like SEC East, thanks to all the head-to-head tiebreakers, Georgia's already clinched it. So. This is a
1: very boring conference yeah. um, because it's already all clinched. Like, nobody can catch Alabama unless they that's lose. That's not true. <laughs> uh, that's Come not on. true. Come on. <laughs> uh, well, All right, I mean, here we go. Let, let's, te- let's run te- through te- it. Technically... Let's run- <laughs>
2: Alabama is yeah. 6-0, and and they do control their own destiny. They have a bunch of tiebreakers already in their favor, and their remaining they, lead games are at Kentucky and at Auburn.
1: They so, ain't losing to Kentucky, and they damn sure ain't losing to Auburn. So 5-1 and one, Ole Miss. All they need
2: to do is win out and then hope and pray that the Tide
1: somehow lose
2: both those road
1: games. That would be it. There we go. I like if that scenario happened, that would be that would be incredible if that happened. Hang on, hang on, it gets better. LSU, Mm. (laughs) this is what LSU needs to have happen. LSU
2: needs to win out. They need to have Ole Miss get beat so bad by Georgia that LSU jumps them in the computer numbers. (laughs) Then they need Alabama to also lose out again by big enough
1: margins <laughs> that the computers would also favor LSU. Okay. While we're at it, <laughs> let's do Arkansas. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the SEC is pretty uh, academic. It should be wrapped up uh, just pretty, very quickly. It, it's going to be wrapped up on Saturday. Let's yeah. just, let's just be Josh, real you're the
0: it. first person to ever accuse the SEC of being academic. <laughs>
1: All right, well let's let's get to the fun
2: stuff, And let you want to talk about the Ole Miss game?
0: I mean, yeah, let's talk mm-hmm. Ole Miss Georgia for a second because yeah, I mean, you know, Kiff said they got nothing to lose. He ain't wrong. No, he's, he's definitely not wrong. They've got you know they have got some offensive weapons. I mean, they do. John Judkins is still the best back in the league, huh?
1: and, and then you have Jackson Dart who really good passer good runner dual threat guy is a problem for a lot of teams in this league unfortunately he wasn't a problem for alabama um and uh and i think that's a lot because kiffin tries to act like an underdog and if kiffin will quit acting like underdog in these big games he may actually win a few of them but Mm -hmm. uh he this is probably the most loaded Lane kiffin team he's he's had so
0: Yeah. It'll it'll
1: be a good test. It'll it'll be good. But I I think George's depth will wind out went out in the end. I I think George's offense being able to move the ball at a consistent clip, which is something I haven't said in a while They they spread it. They've spread out the, the wealth very, very well this year, much more uh, than they did last year with sets and Bennett sets and Bennett would either run throw it to Brock Bowers or throw it to A.D. Mitchell. um, And, And this year, they're kind of getting everybody involved. And it's kind of helped ease, soften the blow of not, you know, of not having Brock Bowers there as your Mm -hmm. safety blanket.
0: All right. Yeah, Josh, let's head to the fun belt then.
2: The fun belt, yeah. Last but not least, the fun belt. So, um, undefeated James Madison. They appealed again to the NCAA, but barring any change, they will not be allowed in the title game. Um, so that leaves Coastal, Georgia Southern, and App State all lurking at 4-2 and two or 3-2. and two. So Coastal um, has a win over App State, uh, but they did lose to Georgia Southern. Southern has that Coastal win, and they face App State in the season finale for both teams. Um, so App State would need to win out and see Coastal uh, drop a game Um over there in the Sun Belt East, that's that's the scenario there. Uh, Sun Belt West is similar situation really, where we kind of know who; it's just a matter of how the uh, the chips fall. So Troy is four and one, and they have tiebreakers over both the three and two teams, where Texas State and Arkansas State. Um, Texas State's remaining schedule is a pretty big slog. They travel to Coastal Carolina, travel to Arkansas State, and then they finish with. South Alabama, who um, started out the season great, but um, just they've kind of hit midseason swoon here, and they've had some injuries along the way. Uh, For Arkansas State, they have no picnic either. They have a game at South Alabama, Texas State, and at Marshall, who um, at that point will probably be playing for pride. Marshall's really skunk it up here in the middle part of the season. So Troy is... Yeah, Troy is for me it would take something really weird for troy to to screw up winning the sunbelt west.
0: Yeah, that feels about right. Um, you know, the, the it's still idiotic that James Madison can't play. Yeah. In I hate the title that game. It's...
1: I I I'm beyond livid with that. I mean, it's it's like they're, they're obviously the best team in the league. Like let them win the cha- let them go to a bowl game. What like what what is it going to hurt? Yeah. If they earned it, let them go. Yeah.
2: So, all right. Well, I'm going to give my last picks and uh, keep an eye on thing. There's eight fifty left in the fourth. Uh, Louisville hit a field goal. They're down twenty-one seventeen. Louisville, but Virginia's driving. Virginia's down in the red zone already. So I don't think we'll be able to vamp long enough to, to kill off eight minutes and 50 seconds, uh, considering each commercial break is about two minutes. So we, we won't be able to, to get the end of that Virginia game. So just a reminder, even if Virginia wins this, holds on, gets the upset, Louisville's still in really good shape. Louisville just has to knock off Miami in their next game. So um, let's, let's finish off. Here are my picks. So um, in the American. I'm sticking with two lane and the ponies. I know they're ponies. the Mustang, but ponies is way cooler. So, so I got two lane SMU.
0: Pony. Agree?
1: Agree? Are we, uh,
0: how are we feeling? Yep. yep. Right. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm hey, I'm,
1: dude, sounds, I'm with you on that one. That, that sounds, sounds outstanding. Sounds consensus. All right. Mm-hmm.
2: ACC. I will say I'm a little perturbed about this Virginia situation, but I'm still going to go with Louisville. Yep. Taking on the already
1: clinched Florida state. Seven. <laughs> hey, give me, give me, give me FSU and Virginia tech. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going Louisville. This will, this will be a fun one. Yeah.
2: All right. Big 12. Um, I think Texas still hangs on and based on finishing with central Florida, Houston and BYU, I'm going to give some love to the Gundies. I feel like this is what you always do, Matt. Yeah. and it's a Charlie Brown situation where Lucy pulls the football.
0: Yes. But I got to go with the Gundies right now. It's an Admiral Akbar situation, Josh. It's a, it's a it's trap. A, it's, it's a it's It's trap. It's a trap.
1: <laughs> it's, a trap.
0: Um,
1: it's a trap. But uh I I I think I think Oklahoma State will pull it out, but should they stumble, give me my honorable mention to Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Ooh. Yeah. All right.
2: Big 10. Um, I think Michigan should be able to win against Penn State. I think they should also be able to beat Ohio State, barring Harbaugh getting suspended. Um, but I will take Michigan for right now, and I think, God help us all, my idiot Hawkeyes, are going to stumble ass-backwards into the title
0: game. They are. Yeah, That that that's a no-doubter for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I, I think – I like, who else is going to be there from the West, you know? Nebraska. Nebraska's got the best chance. That would be hilarious. Um, all right. Conference
2: USA. I know a coworker of mine would love, love to see <laughs> that happen. Yeah. Uh, Conference USA. Liberty's locked in versus Western Kentucky's better on paper, but they're not playing as well. I'm going to go with my heart. The fight and Jerry kills – Give me New Mexico Let's State. Let's do it. Why not? Thinking with the heart, not the head on that one. Let's get it. Why not? All right. Mac, I already mentioned uh, Toledo's locked in. I'm going to have Miami of Ohio meet them up. Yep. Yeah. All right. Here's my curveball. Mountain West. I actually have Fresno and
0: UNLV. So you have and, neither my Air Force nor my yeah. Wyoming.
2: And here's my thinking. Nor my friends do fresh now. Or- Here's my thinking. What that Air Force game reiterated. It's not that we didn't know this, but it reiterated the fact that the triple option is not good for coming from behind. And if you've seen any of Odom's unLV teams this year, they score so quickly they they put up a crap ton of points. Mm-hmm. So I, I see a scenario where, UNLV is able to get up by two, three touchdowns, and the triple option just doesn't mm-hmm. let the Falcons get back in.
0: But are they – they're not going to fumble as much as they did. They're not going to lose all those fumbles like, like that. Like, I know. That's, that was I a, know. Will they lose five fumbles? Yeah. I think. Like, that's not going to happen absolutely. again. That's yeah, yeah, yeah that, those know.
1: teams, like, every once in a while they have a game like that, and then uh, yeah. most for the most part they may lose one more fumble the rest of the year. All right. Mm. Ooh, big development. Virginia, even though they got to the
2: red zone, held to a field goal. So under well, eight minutes left. Under eight minutes, 24-17. Okay. So Pac-12. I got Washington. But it wouldn't be the last season of the Pac-12 without some chaos.
1: I got I'm I got I
2: got Colorado, baby. I'm going back to my <laughs> pick in this fall. Few months ago, it's still fall in the summer. Give me the Beavers. They're gonna find a way to do it. Give me Oregon State. Chaos reign supreme
0: one last time in the Pac 12. Uh I'm I've, I'm gonna I'm gonna go chalk and go Washington, an Oregon rematch.
1: Yeah, I am too. Th- those are those are clearly the two best teams. That's fair. Um
0: SEC. All right, SEC's
2: Georgia. And I don't know. I think it's gonna happen. LS Auburn. It's gonna be, it be Alabama. Alabama. Yeah. Georgia Auburn in the in the <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Georgia,
1: Alabama. Yeah. Pretty clear. Pretty yeah. pretty clear.
2: Yeah. All right. Sunbelt. This is my big draw, jaw hmm. dropping moment of the show. Hmm. Troy. Hmm. James the, Madison. The should. appeal that just happened to the NCAA is very different. It's not James Madison president, it's not James Madison donor. It was the Sun Belt. And all the fellow ADs basically signed off on it. The commissioner wants James Madison in it. They had a compelling argument about, you know, the fairness. These are players that went through COVID. You're denying them this bowl experience. But they also tapped into the fact that, you know, Sunbelt, this would be a huge deal for them to get to one of those prestigious bowl games. This is a very different appeal having the Sunbelt buy into this with that much pressure. I know the NCAA likes to be stubborn and you know stick to their guns on stuff, but it just feels like the momentum on this and it's going to make the NCAA look so silly to have a highly ranked team if James Madison does win out if James Madison wins out there for sure top 20 team to not get to go bowling, it, the bulls are scrimmages by this point. They're, they're, you know, pointless games in the grand scheme of things. So I, I think, I think the NCAA is actually going to surprise everyone and come through. Josh,
1: I, I love your it. optimism, but and it absolutely. ain't going to happen, man. Cause the NCAA sucks.
2: It does. Yeah. It does. But you know, they let the the North Carolina wide receiver come back
0: finally. Um, yeah, but again, it took his third appeal to get there. So yeah, I, um, I think
2: also you know the NCAA the whole rule was because of Marshall and the old Division One AA transfer rules and stuff. With the transfer portal, there's no point for the Marshall rule anymore. No, no.
0: All right. Well, Josh, thank you for that deep research. Uh, for coming breaking down all the scenarios for us, um, and uh, we will get out of here now as we are already over the hour mark, uh, with one for the road, one or two of the things that you're going to be watching for this weekend. Uh, we talked about some of the uh, you know, uh, some of the ACC scenarios. Uh, two teams that are still technically in it are Duke and UNC, they are facing off on a nice little tobacco road showdown, um, with. Uh, you know, both teams having some, you know, a little bit of up and down play this year. Riley Leonard remains to, uh, uh, remains to be seen if he is going to play, uh, for, uh, um, it, he looks like he's actually going to be out. So Grayson Loftus is going to be starting. Um, and he's a true freshman and is, has, you know, actually one of the better, uh, better ranked high school prospects at the quarterback position that Duke has ever gotten. So he's an intriguing player. We'll see if North Carolina can kind of write the ship a little bit. And then there is the, um, I guess I'm calling this the hot seat bowl between <laughs> Narduzzi and Pitt and uh, Dino Babers and Syracuse, Syracuse four and five. You think, Oh, that's not terrible. It's about Syracuse record Well, they're Owen five in conference and have lost a they lost at home to boston college which is really bad because boston college is like yes still technically i guess like (laughs) alive but they're still not a good team like title contender well they also lost at conference title contender virginia tech
1: 38 match pc hate is back and i love it i'm here for it
0: um no but and then on the other on the flip side pitt has one league win they're one and four who is that win over in Louisville, so makes no sense. I, you know, they lose at Virginia Tech as well. They lost at Wake Forest a couple weeks back. Dino, I have friends who are Syracuse fans, and they're calling for. D- they're already saying they're saying it's time. They're saying it's time for Dino. If Pitt wins this one, you know, Syracuse, you know, because I think I feel like Syracuse needs to win. I know they've got enough of a favorable schedule. they got got Pitt, uh, Pitt, Virginia Tech, and Wake Forest coming down the wire. They might be able to make the ball eligibility. But even then, I still feel like just Babers has gotten so, so stale. So, But I'm just sort kind of morbidly curious about that Pitt and Syracuse game. Coach, what are you uh, curious about this weekend?
1: Well, obviously, we buried the lead. <laughs> yeah, we buried the lead. The, the game of the week in the SEC is not actually Georgia Ole Miss. It's Vandy, South Carolina, of course. <laughs> Oof, oh, God. Yeah, Matt. Luckily, no. it's in Columbia, so you don't have to go to that. But
0: I was at Vandy Auburn last week. That wasn't fun.
1: That was probably brutal, right? No, it, in all seriousness, um, the uh, sec- the uh, second-tier game of the week in the SEC is going to be uh, – the one that I'm watching out for is Tennessee and Missouri. Uh, that game is basically a pick'em according to Vegas. Tennessee favored by a point and a half on the road. Uh, and a lot of that is because Luther Burden is is questionable um, uh-huh. after getting after getting nicked up last week um, on a non contact injury, going for a ball in the end zone. Um, so if he doesn't play, that obviously is a big huge blow to uh, to Missouri as that's their biggest weapon. But I think Connor Schrader will be able to do some things on the ground against Tennessee. Tennessee's got to uh, use tempo even more so than they have been, and Joe Milton is going to have to Joe Milton's going to have to play well. Because uh, he hasn't played that great all year long, uh, and, and it goes back to his embarrassing loss against, uh, or their embarrassing loss against Florida, where he played kind of putridly. So, this this game will will, will lead everyone to believe that Missouri is for real. Um, if Tennessee wins this one, they get some good momentum for their for their home class with Georgia to end if, Georgia's. If Tennessee loses, they might have to go back to McDonald's get some more recruits. Yeah, they really might have to. It's it's bad. Um, if if Tennessee loses, I could see a situation where ne- that Nico. I can't. I'm not even gonna try his last name, but Nico. Nico Imalva. Nico Imalva. There, there's no way it's that easy. It is actually. There's no way. There is. Okay, Nico Imalva. Fair enough. All yeah. right, I could see scenario of Nico Imalva could play some quarterback here. Course, down the. Uh, Volvo, uh, down the, t- down the shred till, uh, the words are tough right now. The stretch run of the season. He's going to be my, D- he's going to you be my D- D- that one. I was
0: gonna say your aunt Volvo. Um, all right, Josh, what are you, what are you watching out for besides rerun the Seinfeld? this weekend? <laughs> Uh,
2: well, I got three games, but, uh, but two, uh, two of the games feature the state of Iowa. So I guess it's a two pack. Um, I'm going to be all over that Western Kentucky, New Mexico state game. I think that's really intriguing fighting Jerry kills. Let's get it done. That'd be so cool. If they make the title game in their first year back in a conference after that crazy independent odyssey, Um, the Iowa state at BYU game. I don't even care about the fact that Iowa state's still technically alive. This would get them to the sixth win of the year with all that happened in their off season for them to get to bowl eligibility matt campbell would for sure have to be sniffing around that big 12 coach of the year um even if they only go like six and six or seven and five because it's just been crazy what he's been able to patch together and then my third one is the iowa rutgers game and i'm i'm not going to be an iowa homer right now i'm not going to talk about what rutgers has done this year they're six and three. They locked up their first legitimate bowl because during the COVID season, they got to go when they were five and seven. Um, So they locked down their first legitimate bowl season in quite a while. If they knock off Iowa and Iowa City, that gets them to seven wins. Probably won't beat Penn State and Happy Valley, but then they finish with that very struggling right now, Maryland team at home. There's a puncher's chance this team gets to eight wins. In the regular season, let's be optimistic. Say they win their bowl games, nine win Rutgers still alive on the table. That would be incredible. I would love that. that. Would that would get my pick for coach of the year in the Big Ten for Greg Ciano if they get to eight and four and have that nice conference record. That would uh, that would get them to uh, above five hundred in, in
0: league play. That have them men five and four in league play. Josh, I don't think that you can be eligible for Big Twelve Coach of the Year if you lose to the Ohio Bobcat.
2: Hey, you know what? That game is the weird oddity one. That's the one where they had terrible food poisoning and like 80 Iowa State players were just puking on the
0: sideline the whole game.
2: <laughs> like,
0: yeah, and then he was then he was yelling at the fan or the, the guy <laughs> after the game. I don't know if you remember that. There was uh, he, he got he got into a... the fan was like you're
2: on the hot seat, Matt. We're yep. on the hot seat. Matt I mean, Campbell just like stares daggers at him. He's like, I'm about to be the all-time wittiest coach of this program in history. Sit down.
1: Yeah, so, Hot seat. Get out of here with that. Get out
0: of here. All right. Well, uh, we're going to get out of here with get that here. right now. Uh, we hope uh, everyone last,
2: enjoys. Last update for everyone holding on to the edge of their seats. Louisville tied the game with five and a half
0: left. So. Well, then we're we're going to sign off. And watch the rest of that one yeah um,
2: i'm
1: going over that one screw i gotta I gotta, iowa,
2: I gotta watch the iowa i gotta watch the iowa virginia tech women's basketball game top 10 showdown i recorded it i don't know oh, he's being one. serious
0: oh That's, it's uh I don't know no it. i actually i knew he was being serious okay. about that um <laughs> i'm going to be Clark? serious about uh catching the rest of this uh louisville game so uh we're going to sign off uh here on the illegal motion college football podcast part of the believe network and mike so on behalf of our own offensive coordinator the coach corey burton here in Nashville, tennessee and our intrepid blogger the big 10 Counting, up there in the windy city of chicago illinois josh cook this is matt perkins saying so long and see you next time on the illegal motion college football podcast
1: boiler up <laughs>
0: thank you for listening to believe